naked, unaccounted, and embarrassed. For the sheets are rolling maps of the landscapes we created. You are listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast, a weekly comedy and history. Oh, hang on. Should I, Bring it should I change it? Bring it down, bring it down. One, that's a lot of energy you're bringing in. Since since we've been gone long enough to legally be considered dead, I'm rebranding us as uh, as that good, good ASMR history podcast that you've all been asking for. I know you wanted it. I know you've been demanding it. I, the letters that you've flooded me with are are overwhelming. Shh, breathe in, breathe in that lemongrass. Ooh, let me turn, how's on, that let feel? Me turn, let me turn up my game. Let me turn up my game hold real on. quick. Can I take to it the, again? Can, I, can we go, yeah, can go, we go, go back one more to time. the- Yeah, go one more time. Go one more time. Give, can we give go back a shot. to the beginning. Really put all right, you're listening to the Sleepy Time History Podcast Hour. Um, we'd like to start, as we always do, uh, with just 20 seconds of inscrutable bullshit. Um, we we liking this? This good? Spencer, have you considered that this may, in fact, be a better idea for a podcast than the one we are currently using? Because the longer this bit goes on, the more I'm convinced that we may have found a better we may find a better audience this way. I'm, I'm just gonna whack my coaster against this cup. Let's. They're just they're just eating this shit up, aren't they? <laughs> I cannot do that quiet for that long. I'm a Faust, mm. damn it. Mm. Volume is my forte. All right. India, as many of us may know, uh, was in a bit of a sticky situation about 100 years ago. Uh, has India ever not been in a bit of a sticky situation? Since the dawn of time, India has been in what can be best known as a sticky situation. Now, I just recently upgraded my iPad version of, uh, of, of Civilization VI. Uh, and it included a new leader for India named Chandragupta. And what I can tell you is whenever that man was in charge, it wasn't a sticky situation. Because that, that man is the rock. It's buff that Gandhi. That man is yeah. chiseled Gandhi Jesus. Holy cow. That is, uh, that, they were having a good time then. But other than that, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a conundrum. Now, from 1848 to 1947, the British ruled over India in what is colloquially called the British Raj. Yes! Colloquially! As opposed to what the rest of us call it. That one time that Britain would awful imperialist bastards and murdered a lot of Indian people for no good reason. Because they're white genocidal assholes. Yeah, that's what we, you know, colloquially we like to boil it down to the British Raj, though. During this time, India received not only what could best be described as an economic noogie, uh, but a massive influx of perma-tourists. They're not immigrants. Immigrants are fine. Uh, these are just rich people that kind of come to gawk at the brown people. Uh, that in like you know, ooh, look at their way of life. Look how primitive they are. Let's bring some white into it. People like Digby. I hate everything. We wait. We you took a month off, and you decided that the best way to bring this whole back this this project back together is to make me stare at at white racial tourists. Um, who just want to come wear pith helmets and stare at Indian people trying to live. And stick pigs. I'm not happy with any of this. We're not talking about Digby, though. Instead, we're going to start with a woman named Augusta Fulham, born in England in 1876. That's just not a real name. Augusta was born in England, but it's not exactly known when she left the country. Uh, we do know she's the daughter of a Bengal River pilot and was given the moniker of a minor memsahib. A memsahib is basically a white foreign woman of high social status living in India. Uh, more specifically, in this case, she was the wife of a British official, Lieutenant Edward McKean Fulham. For easy number's sake, let's just assume he he murdered upwards of 100 Indian people for no good reason. Well, I mean, how do you get to be a lieutenant otherwise? Exactly. That's, that's where I was doing the extrapolation. I assumed the equation was baked in, but... I wanted to just kind of round it up for the listener. You can either do that many Indian people or round up by 
five and that many tigers. We've got Augustum, we've got her hubby, uh, around her mid to late 30s at the time of the story. Those two got married and lived in Agra, India. Let's talk about character number two, a half Indian doctor named Henry Lovell William Clark. That is not an Indian name. It's too, too many names, <laughs> tell you that much. Absolutely no Indian. Yeah, not a, not a cent of it is Indian. I would assume his mother was Indian. Dr. Clark was born in August 1868, making him about eight years senior to Augusta. Now, just like Augusta, Henry was also married, married to one Louisa Amelia Clark. Isn't that the girl from Game of Thrones? I, yeah, I think so. I just, I don't want to think about that show anymore. It, so, isn't... <laughs> These two, I've been hurt enough. <laughs> Welcome to my lost. Two crazy kids end up at the same ball in 1911. And in a society where we were just coming around to the concept of divorce, these two kids fell in love. Isn't that sweet that the rich white person and the gentrified Indian boy decide to uh, run away together? Well, this story has all the hallmarks of a classic tale. It's not quite that easy. Can't just get up and run. Divorce had really only just reared its head in the British Empire, and that's just in England proper. Parliament was establishing a new court, I believe, around like the 1860s, just to hear divorce cases. Uh, but well, when your king decides to do eight of them at a time, <laughs> you have to kind of get pretty good at it. And the debate, though, was still alive. Trust me, this was this was a heated issue. Parliament almost unanimously agreed though, that it couldn't be made available to the poor. So they had to make sure to well, hide it no. behind just seas of fees and what have you, because they knew full well it would just give the poor folk free reign to commit, quote, unbridled immorality. <laughs> I'm okay. All right, now, hold on. Hold on a couple. I, I, need, I, need, I need a break here. How? Because if I can't get a divorce, that does not mean I cannot therefore go, what am I limited by in that situation? The only, by not granting <laughs> me a divorce, you're forcing me to commit immorality to go off and, and have, you know, pick a new person that I'd like to copulate with. Well, it, here, it, it, this, this seems to be encouraging a level of that sort of behavior. Now, see, what this is doing is, I believe, boxing poor people into having no choice but to, if they're unhappy in their marriage, either kill their spouse or, you know, go commit adultery, be charged with adultery, be thrown into the penal system and become free labor. Now, I did not consider the uh, the fun angle of murder my spouse so that we can be together. Now, the problem is, is that, Spencer, you did. You did jump right to that one. And well, the fact that I have two well, people that would like to get together... And oh, I, I'm, I'm that's, very concerned. That's an extremely that that's violent jumped. angle that you're proposing. I'm just giving some credence now, to Parliament. To be clear, know? I didn't propose it. It was, it was absolutely your thesis. Now you're I'm the one just, drawing the yarn from idea to idea, and I'm just saying uh, it's not healthy to make assumptions. Now, Nathan, all of this is not to mention that divorce would 100% of the time, in, uh, in the English Empire, anyway, leave the woman with absolutely no claim to any of her property. All of which oh, no. would go to her ex-husband. Yeah, oh, I mean, of course. Come on now. Dude, does she get the dowry back? No. That, and, that wouldn't make sense because he pays it already. Does he <laughs> get the dowry back? I don't think he does. I think that's the okay, one hit he's got to take. You know take. what? That's equitable then. That's fair. He bought, <laughs> yep, nope, this, that, this is even. A man could divorce his wife for one instance of adultery, but a woman could only obtain a divorce if her husband was physically cruel, incestuous, 
or bestial in addition to being adulterous. So, ma'am, understand okay. that we cannot hear your case, lest your husband carried on this affair with either his sister or a horse. Yes, the system <laughs> oh, works. Jolly that good. That kind of bestial. I assumed it was either he had an affair with his sister or your husband was a werewolf. And then you were allowed to get <laughs> that lycanthropy was a foolproof system for divorce in in turn of the century England. All this was just starting. And it's not really clear to me uh, whether this had reached British Raj India, whether that policy had even started to hit the books. So naturally, we've got a problem. I mean, we got several problems, but Augusta and Dr. Clark have a problem of their own, which is they've got to get together without a divorce. Now, Nathan. Well, I, I can think of a couple ways. Uh, there's tigers. We there's, could solve that problem. Sure, there's tigers. Because I think the one idea we've got to walk away with, that we've got to just take and run with, is let's murder the spouses. See, Oh, this is absolutely a double murder situation coming up. It has to be. See, it was actually Dr. Clark's idea to start, because turns out uh, Clark was so eager to ditch this wife that he'd already tried poisoning her before oh. he even met Augusta. So, so this is less a matter of he really likes Augusta and more a matter of he just needs some better excuses <laughs> to really exactly. try to kill, kill this wife. Now, also, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... He's also a shitty doctor on top of being a shitty human being. If you're a doctor and you can't effectively poison your wife, you should have to return your medical license. Thank you. Thank you. Being a doctor, Clark had access to a little wonder drug called cocaine. You might have heard of it. I just got done listening to the, the Dollops New England series where they reference a woman around the same time, I believe, murdering people with uh, arsenic. And you're telling me that this man's going to try and murder his wife with cocaine, they which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is what everyone did in the 80s. Very punctual. Very punctual timing on that dollop because most murder doctors were quite proficient at cutting arsenic into coke as it leaves behind a fairly little trace if you're not looking for it. Ah, that, okay, all right. Now, does that, that, that plan seems to work a whole lot better if your wife is already a raging coke fiend. <laughs> Who was wasn't a raging Clark's... coke fiend in these days? If you got the sniffles, yeah. <laughs> they prescribe it to you, and then suddenly you can't eat your sausage without tonic powder on it. I'm <laughs> just saying, does, okay, so, so we're assuming she had a bit of a, a bit of a snuff habit, is what you're saying. A little bit of a, a little bit of a, a the, the old nose booger sugar she 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 took to it and he decided that he was going to arsenic up her cocaine typically you can kill them with it and pass it off as a heat stroke actually among a heaping list of other things like i don't know it's the 1800s he's fucking dead get over it already i have other shit to diagnose <laughs> i mean really 1800s india i feel like a, a random white person dying should just be like nope they shouldn't have been here like that's the cause cause of death is nope uh-uh shouldn't have come you made a mistake now, Clark was pushing the murder angle, and Augusta was falling head over heels for it like the psychopaths they both were. They wrote to each other constantly, little love letters, sketching out the battle plan, detail by detail, coming to realize just how the hell they would kill him off. It had to start with Augusta's husband, the poor, unsuspecting, very British river pilot, Lieutenant Edward. Augusta made her move. One morning, she gets a little bit of what she calls tonic powders and adds them to Edward's breakfast. The powders <laughs> mailed to her. <laughs> Hold on, honey. Not those nice. Cheerios look. Those Cheerios look a little bland. 
ahead. Let me spice them up with some of that white, white lightning, baby. We're going to take a ride today. <laughs> the powders mailed to her by Clark were tasteless and odorless and were incredibly toxic in the doses that she was delivering. <laughs> Darling, I think that's just you, you piled it so high. There's... There's it just looks like a pile of powder, just like a cop, like a Scarface pile of You've of <laughs> cocaine. Because of course, it's no, it's not the fact that it's the coke. The coke on the Cheerios is a okay. That's My- that, no one's gonna bat an eye at that. I mean, you're gonna be regular and you're gonna be ready to start your day. I, I mean, I think it's a great combo, personally. My sweet Augusta, you've given me a pile of tonic powder with a little bit of Cheerio on it. Now, (laughs) still strangely, um, Edward wasn't dead by that evening. In fact, he scarcely noticed it. He really wanted to talk about his theories of opening a new business and could not stop grinding his teeth. (laughs) So she tries again and once, uh, once more and again and again until she starts complaining in her letters that the man is fucking immune to the arsenic. She tried to slip a big old dose of it into his tea, she wrote Clark. Quote, my hubby returned the whole jug of tea, saying it tasted bad. Well, yeah, I mean, arsenic isn't probably a great tasting drug, I'd imagine. It's supposedly tasteless, but she was dumping so fucking much of it in, it probably tasted like the bag it came in at this rate. I was like to say, I, I believe that a powder can be tasteless, but if you take enough paste, tasteless powder and put it in, uh, honestly, at this point, we're going to get a texture issue because you're just not going to be able to dissolve that much arsenic in some tea. It's chunky tea and nobody's down fu- for that. It's a fucking Earl Grey smoothie with arsenic. Finally. Unless unless chunky tea is actually like a new hip trend that we can get a haul on, in which case, TM, TM, chunky tea, TM. Finally, she gives him, she's done with this. This is taking too long. I can't do it anymore. She gives him an unreasonably massive dose, and he eats all of it. I need to know what an unreasonable dose of arsenic is and how she just got him to eat it and because this that doesn't make any sense now the problem here is augusta's not a chemist so when she says an unreasonably big amount she could be just referring to oh, i was just taking like softball size amounts and just chucking it into the roast that's kind of what i'm imagining is that she's just like delivered him like a a apple but it's not an apple it's just a ball of arsenic and she's like oh it tastes funny <laughs> Keep going. That mu- that one must be a little mealy. <laughs> Don't be wasteful, Here, put my some dear. cocaine on. Put some more cocaine on it. That'll get it down. <laughs> he eats this massive dose, something that should reasonably kill someone. He still didn't die. I die. Quote, hey, guys. At- at this point, people are overdosing. Like, I-, I can, like, walk 10 feet down the road and find a guy about to overdose on opiates in, in my town. G- get better at poisoning people. Since 4 p.m., he vomited eight times, her letter read. But before the letter was done, she kept further track. She wanted to chronicle the whole evening's affairs. Oh, good. Quote, 10 times at a quarter to nine. 12 times by 10 p.m. The man has I, vomited 12 times in the span of six hours. I mean, yeah, but that's just a bender. Like, that's not, I don't know what's like, I mean, I'm not going to die. It's India. 
I have, I've already, I should, if I'm in India and a white person in the 1800s, I've literally count like, oh, well, t- well, Wednesday shit day. I'm going to be <laughs> shitting the entire day on Wednesday. That's the only way to do it. Um, I don't know. Yours don't come out in just pure water for a day at a time. Well, weakling puking 12 times. This is nothing for these men. Augusta, my sweet, I'm afraid there's no fluids left. Bring me more of that tonic powder and some soup. Man is just running on arsenic. This man is literally powered by He's arsenic, powered cocaine. By arsenic. And- he, I, maybe we found a new fuel source. We're making him stronger. Considered- <laughs> Edward. Anyone- Edward, you're growing stronger. Has anyone considered that arsenic's just a really cool way to party? He lived. So she kept poisoning him. Little bits every single day for, and here comes the fun part, months Don't. upon no. months. Stop. Stop it. The man it. was having a daily vitamin regiment of arsenic and wouldn't I, fucking die. I, at, after a, a, I give it a week. I will long con this for a week. If at the end of a week he is not dead, it's the 18, kill him, throw him outside <laughs> and go, oh, a brown person did it. Woo! And, and it's over. That's all it takes. This isn't hard. We don't have fucking CSI teams on the case, people. What are you doing? Just kill him if you want him dead. What I should mention is that while he was taking it every day, um, he's no longer the champ he used to be. He does vomit at least once a day, but he does this for months on end. Would just fucking oh, thank you for the thank you for the tea. Very white this morning. Blech. All right, off to work. <laughs> and so never this once man is- questioned why he was vomiting day in and day out. <laughs> It's 1800s India! Of course you don't! It's part of the thing! Okay, you raise a fair point, but finally, Nathan, it's over. The man succumbs to the daily arsenic, months of daily arsenic, and falls into a raging fever. Okay, no. okay, so when you say raging fever, you mean he just got like Hulk, he just turned into the yes, Hulk, he, but for arsenic. Yes, he became Hulk, Hulk hot with arsenic inside of him. Now, Who should come to check on him in this raging fever but Dr. Henry Lovell Clark? I, I, what, why not? The good doctor, seeing what was wrong, says, I know what you need, and injects a fat dose of arsenic right into his fucking jugular vein. What in the fuck? At what point? How? What? How? Why not just air? Air at this point. You're obviously trying to murder the man, and you're the one responsible for inspecting him. That no is admitting defeat, Nathan. It is. It had to be arsenic from day one. It really. We could have stabbed this guy in the heart after day twenty, but now it's a matter of fucking medical competency. You are not a good doctor if you cannot kill a man with arsenic. So Edward dies, despite his glowing fucking track record. Oh my I'm God. impressed despite- he didn't just fucking stand up after that. Oh, all right. Well, I'm. Be- <laughs> Goodness me, I can't, can't tell we which is hotter. We found the one man on Earth powered by arsenic. Cannot Just tell which is hotter. The, the fiery Indian summers are my passion for life. <laughs> so on his death certificate is heat stroke. Nobody, nobody was any the wiser. It was so fucking easy to kill people 
before like 1960. Nate, I'm pretty sure heat stroke is what it says on Jeffrey Epstein's death certificate right now. I'm pretty At, sure right it now just says, it might it might as well. Two guys find him just just decapitated with a shoelace between the head and the torso. They're like probably hung himself. I don't know. Could have been yeah. hot. Could have been too hot. Uh, in here. Yeah. It's, it's it, who can tell really? Who tied his shoes? Probably too tight. Shit. All right. Well, I'm gonna retire to Palm Beach. The community, however, absolutely noticed that Fulham and Clark were growing fond of one another, always finding ways to mingle their business and what have you. Nobody really raised a finger, though, because why would they? Man dies of fever, wife needs someone special in her life, and and Clark happens now, to be there to fill that Edward-sized hole. It, no, well, you don't assume what size hole he's filling. Uh, he may have a, a, a larger than Edward size hole to fill. Um, but that's not the point. Don't we also have still a wife yet to off? Yeah, but the community was like, eh, who isn't cheating on their wife? Remember, oh. Dr. Clark is a man. It couldn't start with Augusta cheating on her husband. Touche. Touche. Nope. Much, much more upstanding if you murder him with arsenic over months. Nobody noticed that is until it came time for Henry's wife. See, Henry decided that the poisoning business just was not fast enough. Not cutting uh, it. And who can, and who can blame him? <laughs> he hired who a gang of this man. <laughs> he hired a gang of men to break in while Henry and Augusta went out to dinner uh, and oh. kill his wife. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that definitely leaves significantly larger of a paper trail. It really um, does, doesn't it? It. I mean, I get one. It's, I get expediency, but maybe just whack her over the head with a frying pan and then write heat stroke on the death certificate because <laughs> no one questions anything. They did so. And while Augusta and Henry were out to dinner, at least four thugs break into the home and killed poor poison-proof Louisa with swords. We have no idea whether she was poison-proof. We didn't even try. No, 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 no. Henry tried before he met Augusta. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's right. He had already attempted to poison her off. That's and he was right. like, clearly you and I, our stars no. are aligned that we only meet people that are powered by arsenic. Clearly... He was shitty at, at, at uh, he was just a bad pharmacist. He was just he buying bad arsenic, right? right? He, so he was cutting the cocaine with arsenic, and the arsenic guys are cutting the arsenic with flour, and it's just, it's all the way that no one's getting what they want out of the experience. I feel like we, we might have skimmed over the fact. For God's sake. Might have skimmed over the fact that they killed her with swords. No, no, um, we didn't skim over that fact. I just chose to, uh, to, to move on with it because... Of course you do. It's the 1800s. Why wouldn't you kill someone with swords? Now, I posit that at least knives were more accessible to the common man. Maybe, maybe even just a sharp stick, but sword is but, so but regal. What is a sword if not just a long knife? It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's antiquated. The, 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 the knife is much better. It's handheld. It's better for stabbing wives in bed. She's a British they, woman. They like they, their murders antiquated. And she may very well have given a glowing review as they all rushed into her bedroom and um, 
uh, smashed her head in with the swords. They, she did, she That's died of. That's not how you use the sword. She died of blunt trauma, not the slashing damage. It, they, they don't, you don't go for bludgeoning damage in that situation. They, what the fuck? They, they were armed with the swords because that's what Doctor. He was like, she, she would want it this way. Just in, in, take her out with the swords. They're like, oh fuck it, what the broad end? They just slapped her with them. <laughs> Just use the butt, just use the handle and whack her a bunch. fucking use the handle. Unlike arsenic poisoning, sword trauma uh, cannot be written off as heat stroke, I'm afraid. <laughs> now, did they try? Unfortunately, um, police began with an interrogation of Clark. And of course, uh, were scratching their heads when his alibi, his foolproof alibi, um, was, I was hanging out with the widow, Augusta Fulham. I was out with my mistress. Of course I didn't murder my wife. How dare you impugn my integrity, sir? So, to make sure things were all neat and tidy, they had to look into her affairs. Because naturally, they have to at least talk to two sources, and then they can say, Hey, we tried. Inconclusive. <laughs> Heat stroke. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's sprinkle some. Let's sprinkle some cocaine arsenic on the body and walk man, away. Man, the heat packs a punch and cave to fucking swollen. <laughs> it was while they were searching Augusta's home, most likely ready to drop suspicion, that they found a small iron lockbox under her bed. Oh, I thought you were gonna say they found arsenic coming out of every cabinet, <laughs> ceiling, and floorboard because this house is made of arsenic at this point. They, <laughs> it, when they asked her what was inside, Augusta played it very cool and uh, fainted like a sack of bricks. Oh, like a good old goat. Inside that lockbox uh, were more than 400 love letters from Henry, all detailing the timeline of love to murder, to cover up, and back to murder again with the swords. What? 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 Guys. Scrapbooking, Nathan. Use, in, use incognito <laughs> mode. Blast that cash. Scra scrapbooking. Don't keep 400 letters of incriminating they, evidence. Nathan, think about it. Once, once Edward and once you know Louisa are out of the way, fucking Augusta and Henry can get together. And when they have beautiful kids of their own, they can be like, "Look, children, these are the letters where we conspired to kill our former spouses." <laughs> Isn't this romantic? Why are you crying? I, I can't, I... Have more tonic. I, why on earth would you... This is just... This is criminal level stupid is what... You're not You're not convicting them of murder. You're convicting them of stupid. Because that's, that, that's just what this is at this point. Open and shut. Obviously. The two were arrested along with the four, the at least four henchmen that bludgeoned Mrs. Clark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There could be more henchmen at play? There really could be. It's not well known he be basically approached a large um gang of people at a bazaar and was like hey i got a lot of money if you can uh, if you can ice my honey with swords <laughs> and and all we know is at least four of them were implicated oh. in the in the smashing the man went down to the home depot parking lot and just was like i have a project who wants in <laughs> I the imagine the bazaar is just the Home Depot parking lot of 18th century India, yes? For British Raj India, it is. The media picked up the story because, duh, I mean, we're covering it. The public uh -huh. was enamored. And all five... Enamored. <laughs> enamored. And all five were tried jointly at Allahabad High Court in 1913. 
I'm imagining Indian Nancy Grace just having a hoot and a holler with this one. And if I was capable of doing any sort of impression that didn't come across as horribly racist, I would do it right now. The lovebirds were found guilty and sentenced to death. Clark. That seems appropriate. By arsenic. Irony. (laughs) No, unfortunately, it was by the noose. Clark was hanged on March 26th, 1913. uh, But Augusta, though she was slated for hanging, her sentence was commuted to penal servitude for life because she turned king's witness. She offered to uh, sell all of the others down the river, including Henry. And. Uh, Oh. And because she was pregnant with Henry's kid. So, oh, you cheater! Yeah, she she you. really game she gamed it. She she had her That's cards counted. She was counting cards when she was murdering Come spouses. On. The assassins were tried separately. Three of them were hanged. One got off on alibi. His alibi: I was hanging out with my mistress. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the best alibi. The head of her prison, an English-appointed governor of that region. Uh, found her to be so contrite and and well-mannered that he, quote, couldn't conceive of how she could be guilty of such a crime. Oh, we're going to Carla Faye Tucker this shit, aren't we? We We're going to Carla Faye Tucker this shit. Another wardress, also English, also found her to be, quote, uh, delightfully white, let's put it. The doctor was half Indian, obviously not on the named half, so I'll assume it was somewhere in the skin color. Um, but, but she's a white lady and, and you can't do that to nice white ladies. Quote, senior matron of the uh, female ward, uh, was in charge of Augusta and described her as a good lady and gentle and English lady and not an Anglo Indian and by no means a wicked woman. Okay. All right, I guys. I don't get yeah. it. She's not even a little bit brown, guys. Not, not even a little bit brown. Doesn't make any sense. How could nope. she be here? She's too white for this. Look at that. It's like paper. Look at that. It's like a fucking Kinko's over here, this woman. On the flip side. Oh, guys. The oh, Indian guys. and Eurasian wardresses uh, saw a less British side of her. Uh, they took note that they took note that Augusta was apparently uh, an inordinately high spirits throughout her time in prison, uh, never losing the will to sing and joke along with the other women. So it's really an orange is the new black sort of situation is what you're telling me It's a fucking double murder, and she's like just fucking, I'm working on the railroad. I hate everything about this. Oh, me too. Um, July 28th, 1913. Uh, this is what, like three months after Henry died? Augusta gave yeah. birth to her child. Healthy as can be. By August 12th, by something called a, quote, compassion ruling, the child was baptized at St. David's Church. Uh, Before being bashed against the rocks. <laughs> the kid's birth certificate did not denote a father, only a mother. Um, well, and that- oh! We got some immaculate conception shit going and, on here, guys. We got the baby Jesus. And and that her abode was the Alabad prison. And that baby went on to be Gandhi. Its Christian names were, quote, level Harry William Goodwin. Why? Why? There's more names than ever. Um, those are pretty close to Dr. Clark's names, Henry Level William. Um, Augusta was not shy about this at all and even boasted to everybody that Clark was the boy's true father and none of them could do a damn thing about it. I mean, there's no Maury Povich. No, there's nothing they can do. She and the child made it through the first summer well enough, but eventually she proved a little too English for the Indian summers. On May 28th, 1914, Augusta Fairfield Fulham died at age 38. 
Heat stroke. Got her. Very Literally, s- was it actually heat stroke? Yeah, the, the very thing. same ah! diagnosis that fooled the cops when her husband died of arsenic poisoning. You have been so listening so- to the Cock and Bull podcast. <laughs> A uh, infrequent... ASMR yes! podcast. That's that's what. It, yeah. Oh yes. Oh, please, um, let's do it. Join let's us next ASMR week when episode. Conan O'Brien joins us. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna crinkle some tinfoil for about seventy five minutes. <laughs> now he won't talk. No, so, not at all. Uh, he won't speak contractually, but he absolutely it will be Conan O'Brien. Yeah, uh, and it will be yeah. seventy five minutes of crinkles. You will hear those giant Caucasian hands wrinkling that tinfoil, and you will not know. You will not. You will not believe otherwise. Those are not. Those are not Jay Leno hands. Those are not. Nope. Those are not fucking another late night talk they're show defi- host's they're hands. They're definitely not Jimmy Fallon's hands. Not Jimmy Fallon's hands. Um, I am convinced Larry King's hands have fallen off and are replaced with prosthetics. Oh, he's a uh, Skeletor man. Yeah. Folks, we're trying to be a little more frequent. I have actually just ramped up my research. I've are been. We? I've just been preoccupied with Blunderphonics. Very happy with where that is right now. Yeah, um, me too. It's good. Please, uh, please go check it out. I put a lot of time into it, uh, though I understand yes. if that's like the weird step parent to Cockinable. I, I, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna call him dad. He's fucking Greg. <laughs> He's fucking Greggy Blunder, and I'm not gonna look at him. I, I will say that uh, Blunder Phonics at least features a, a competent co-host in Jack Durback, <laughs> and he is. No, uh, no, 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 no. Jack's the host. I'm just the dipshit right along. <laughs> I and just, it's such a more fun experience, isn't is it? it? Not? Isn't it? Because oh, Jack's delightful. actually good at researching things. And here's the thing. He does that all off the top of his head because I think the man is discreetly autistic and absorbs music info, uh, <laughs> just like osmosis. Just, But he has all the charisma of your Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. So uh, yes. while you're at it, while you're subscribing to Blunder Phonics, listening to those first five episodes, uh, please take a detour to Mark's Madness. Nathan was recently a, uh, a fucking crossover episode with RevLeft Media. Super proud of him. We're loving how yeah! the leaps and strides yeah! our sweet red friends are making. And uh, I hope you will give them your patronage. You. I hope you will give them your time because they have a great platform and you should listen to it. You can, you can give us your patronage, but you can't give us your Patreon because we don't have one of those and we never will. No, because it's contradictory to the point and they are not it sellouts. Is. Isn't that right, Nathan? Isn't that right? Yes. You're the last true commie podcaster. Well, let's not get carried away here, but no, we, you're we, the we just only, don't want to take money. You're the last bastion for <laughs> leftist radio. <laughs> Please don't do that. Please All God, the don't others do are that. fakers, and that is an official nope. cognitive okay. endorsement. Uh, Spencer uh, Faust says, uh, da, 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 "All y'all are bullshit." Chapo Trap House, we're fucking coming for you. Catch oh, us, fuck Chapo Trap. Oh, I mean, yeah, fuck them. They're nothing, but fuck Chapo Trap House. That is. We'll catch y'all next time. Come at me, my Christmas. More hot takes next time. Bye.